Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. I need like a half hour or so to like decompress because it was just so much fun and so much excitement and what a special thing to get to honor and celebrate our founding pastors for the last two days, right? Really incredible, really, really great time. So. So today I have a word that I want to share with us. It's something that over the last week had kind of been stirring in my heart and mind, knowing we were coming into this weekend, knowing what we were coming out of and all of those things. And as I was thinking on it and stirring on it, Pastor Cheryl referenced the same scripture in Thursday night. And so I thought for sure, I'm gonna talk about that scripture on Sunday. So if you will, will you turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy? book of 2 Timothy right there in the first chapter. It's one short verse that we're going to look at this morning. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. As you may have gathered, it is his second letter to his young protege, Timothy. Um, And he is writing to encourage him, to strengthen him. and And as he begins his introductory remarks to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, these words, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for what you will do. And God, we say, whatever it is that you're doing, don't do it without us. We wanna be right there in the midst of it. So God, this word that I believe you've spoken to me, help it to come out today, God, with clarity. Help it to come out in a way that will help us move forward, that will impact hearts and minds, Jesus. We ask you for it to fall into good soil and for your name to be glorified in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Paul starts off this thought to Timothy and he says, I am reminded. He says, I'm remembering something about you. Remembering is kind of a funny thing because it's one thing to not know something. When you don't know something, there's no place where you can gather it from. You are totally in the place and in the position of ignorance. You have no awareness of what this situation, this thing, this information that you might be trying to move into is. It's a not knowing of something. Paul's not in the place of not knowing, and there's a place of knowing where you know something all the way down to your bones, where you're sure of something, where it doesn't take anything for you to recall this information, you know this. If someone asked you in your sleep, you know, you know, you know. But to remember something is when you have something that somehow is lodged somewhere in your brain, but it's not always there in the front of it. Somehow it has been brought from the recesses of your brain to the forefront of your brain. You have remembered Something And Paul starts his letter to Timothy saying, I have been reminded. 
What is it that reminds us of things? Is it often a smell when you walk into a place, maybe a familiar family home, you walk in and you know the smell of that place and you are reminded of memories over the years. You are reminded of the interactions with family members that you have had in that place. It's something that reminds you of something. We are reminded when we simply take the time to sit and to ponder and to think about the things that we have gone through and the places we have come from and we are reminded of really how far we have journeyed in something. A mentor told Phil and I a couple of months ago, you know, sometimes you're in times in your life where you shouldn't be measuring your life week after week because it might not seem like the progress is that great, but if you can look back a year ago on this same week and think about where you are, you might be reminded of just how far you've come. And I would give you that same encouragement on this first Sunday in December, that often this time of the year we feel the tension of, have I done everything? Have I accomplished all of the things that I thought of? And you look back two weeks ago and you think, I don't know that I've really made that much progress, but I would charge you to look back at the first week of December a year ago from now and think to yourself, how much progress have I made? I bet you're doing far better than you think you are. I bet you You've moved far farther than you think that you have. Paul has been reminded of something. Somehow information came to Paul that reminded him about Timothy. And when he was reminded about Timothy, was it through a conversation with a friend? Was it through his own pondering? Was it through someone that he saw that looked like Timothy? What is it that reminds you? I think that we can't move too far without thinking of the power that we find when we are reminded of something. When was the last time that you took some time simply to remember? To remember who you are and who you were, to remember how far that you have come, to remember who God is and who he's been in your life. When was the last time we just simply paused to remember who God is, to remember that he is good, to remember that he is faithful, to remember that he is kind, to remember that he is steadfast, to remember that he is the love of our life and of our soul, to remember that he has always showed up for us, to remember the way that he has provided for us, to remember that he is a healer. When was the last time you were reminded of who God is, and when was the last time you were reminded of who you are? To be reminded that you were made in the very image of God. To be reminded that you were formed and created in his heart, in his mind, in his spirit before you ever came into the world and were given a name. To be reminded that he sent you here on purpose and with purpose. That when God looks at you, he smiles on you. He laughs over your life. When was the last time that you were reminded where you have come from and who you have come from and how far you have journeyed that has got you to this Moment, I think that we should take some time sometimes to remember how we got 
Here, when was the last time we remembered what the value and the purpose and the glory of the church is? That we are his beautiful bride, that we are becoming the perfect bride that he will return for, that it is a privilege for us to gather together. When was the last time that we remembered and that we were reminded that we have the incredible privilege to come and to gather together while we have brothers and sisters who don't get to do like we do? When were we last reminded of the support that happens in the church, of the strength that happens in the church, of the provision that happens through the church all year long? When was the last time we were reminded? Have we taken time just to remember all that he has done for us already? And when Paul says, I was reminded about you, Timothy, he says, I was reminded of your sincere faith. When he thought about Timothy, the thing that came to mind is his sincere faith. Now, this word sincere is an interesting word. If you've been around for a while, then you've heard us talk about it before, but I know many of you are new, so let me break down for you a little bit that this word sincere is a pottery term. It was originally used in reference to pottery, of course, when Paul is writing these letters. Clay pots are the, the dishware of the day, right? Plates and forks and vases are made of clay largely. And so it became a common term because what many potters would do when they were making clay pots is they would put in a pot, and you know, if you've ever made clay pottery, you know that if you don't get it just right, they crack very easily when they're cooking in the heat. And so instead of getting rid of that pot and making a new one that was pure and that was all the way fashioned properly, what they would do is they would patch it up with a little bit of clay or they would just paint over it and make it look beautiful so that no one could tell that it was cracked on the inside. Or sometimes they would take wax and they would fill it with wax, which was the worst solution of all because in the midst of the Middle Eastern heat, once you got that pot that you had bought home and it started heating up, the clay would start melting and they did not have Amazon style customer service where you could just ship that bad boy back in 48 hours and upgrade. You were now stuck with a holy pot. And so potters who were true to their words, started stamping their goods with things that said sincere. It meant without crack, without, it was saying that this pot is as it appears. This pot is exactly what it looks like. They wanted you to know that when they bought from them, that when you bought from them, you were getting the pot that you thought that you were getting. They wanted you to know that the item that you were receiving was just as it appears. It was sincere. It was authentic, it was genuine, that it appeared to be in good condition and it was in fact in good condition. Paul uses this word multiple times throughout all of his writings in the New Testament and when he writes to Timothy and he thinks of the faith that Timothy has, he says, the faith that you have is a sincere faith. 
He's telling him the faith that I see in you is a genuine faith. It's an authentic faith. The faith that you demonstrate is not a faith that has been painted up to look like more than it is or to look grander than it is or to present as something that it is not. The faith that you present, Timothy, is a sincere faith. It is a faith that is true. It is a faith that is the same on the outside and on the inside. The faith that you bring to the Sunday gathering is the same faith that I see you having around tables on a Wednesday the faith that you have, Timothy, in the parking lot is the same faith that I see you having when you lift your hands to worship. Timothy, when I sit with you at lunch, the faith that I hear you talking about is the same faith that I see you bringing to your small group. There is a sincere faith that God asks of us, that God wants to draw out of us, that this would be a church and would be a people not who get painted up on a weekend to come and to lift our hands but that we would be a people who have a real, authentic, genuine, to the core faith that says when I wake in the mornings, it's you who I worship. And when I lay my head to rest, God, it's you who I say thank you to. And when my coworker comes at me, it's you who comes out of me, God. And when I'm not sure what's going on in my school, God, it's you who I put my trust in and my faith in. God, when my relationships seem awry, it's you who I run to. God, when I don't know where I'm walking and when I don't know what the next steps are, I don't have to act crazy because I have a sincere faith that comes all the way through. This is a church for real people who have real sincere faith. Faith that someday says, God, I missed the mark, but your grace is sufficient for me. Faith that says, God, I'm still walking it out and I'm still working it out and I'm still figuring it out, but I thank you that you're with me in the midst of it. Faith that says, you are the God of my mountain and you are the God of my valley and you are the God of my mundane in the middle. God, you are all of it and all of the in-between. A people who have a sincere faith and I hope that when you are reminded about you that people think about you the way Paul thought about Timothy that he says you have a sincere faith a sincere faith so uh, Thanksgiving was like a week and a half ago something like that two weeks ago now and so for Thanksgiving this year my mom and dad had a really special fam or like a friend event that they went to with some dear friends of theirs and so Phil and I decided that we were gonna take the boys out of town for a couple days get some family time over those couple of Thanksgiving days so we were all excited about that and then it's like a day before we leave and we realize my mom's not going to be with us for Thanksgiving. How are we going to eat a Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> without my mom? So we were like, well, Lord, what are we going to do? So we figured out that the place that we were kind of like going to, that there was a grocery store there that does these like pre-done Thanksgiving dinners. Did y'all know they do this? It was a, yes, it was amazing. So I just ordered up and they did a turkey for us and like three sides and a little dessert dish. And I was like, praise the Lord, our family's gonna eat on Thanksgiving. 
And so I ordered it and then we go and pick it up and we're like, this is gonna be great. And then we get it home and I'm really gonna reveal to you like the, this is why they give me the entry level sides. But then I realized like we still have to heat up the turkey, right? Like it's cooked, but it still has to be heated up. And even heating up a whole turkey it was kind of like above our level. I knew what to do with the sides. I was like, I can definitely heat up some sides. I'm on top of this. But then I was like, the turkey, so Phil and I are like, okay, and they've got instructions, and we're doing that, and we've got Google, so we've got backup support, and we're trying to like tag team, okay, how are we gonna get this thing heated back up? Because even heating a turkey is like, a thing, you know, you can overdo it or you can make it rubbery apparently, like so many words. So we're like, okay, so we're there, we've got it. And then they send that little thing with it, you know, that you like press into it. And it, yeah, and it's, it, it's supposed to pop up when it's hot enough that you should eat it now, that it's the right temperature. And I knew we were in trouble because even the instructions that were on the little thermometer, Phil and I were looking at each other like, do you know what that means? <laughs> it was talking about place it two inches from the knee and two inches above the wing, something like that, yeah. Right, and I'm like, what? Where is the knee of a turkey? I don't think I could find it when this thing was alive. It's dead now and I don't even know which way was the top and which way was the bottom. It was an absolute, we got there in the end. Bless the Lord, Phil heated up the turkey on the grill. You can heat up a turkey on a grill and he saved the day. And I managed the sides in the oven and we set out the table and we had a lovely Thanksgiving dinner together. And I will tell you, it was delicious and we ate very well and we are always amazingly grateful because we ate better than most people in the world will ever eat. I will also tell you those sides, like they weren't like my mom's sides, you know? Like they did the job, but that mac and cheese was like, fine. And the dressing was like, good. And the mashed potatoes were, working, but they weren't as good as the sides and as the turkey that I eat when my mom and my grandmothers make the turkey and make the sides. Because there's something about what you put in something that really makes it. It's why you can't just eat anybody's dressing, right? Because what you put in that dressing, it's why people start asking questions like, do you put raisins in your dressing? I know, because there was right there, that was like, uh, did you feel the division in the church over whether or not you put raisins in your dressing or don't put raisins in your dressing, right? Because what you put in something makes a difference about how it comes out. 
And what you put in something has a lot to do with the quality of that thing. Has to do with the character of that. Has to do with the value of it. I was watching one of those art shows a while ago and they had this painting from a famous painter. I don't remember which one at the time. I don't remember his name. And, um, and he, but he used to paint along the beach. And so this particular painting had grains of sand that had like blown. They could tell, you know, they authenticate everything. And they said, this sand has blown into the painting because he used to sit by this seaside. And because of what that painting had in it, it was more valuable even than other paintings from this artist. What you put in something, what gets in you, has a lot to do with who you are. And as we remember in this time of the year, we remember that there is a God who came into the world to dwell with us in the midst of our mess and that that changed the entire narrative. What gets into something, what gets into someone has a lot to do with who they are and who they're becoming and where they're going and the quality and the value and the character of who we are becoming. And when Paul remembers Timothy and his sincere faith, he says, it's a faith that I saw in your grandmother, Lois, and a faith that I saw in your mother, Eunice, and it's a faith that I now see in you. He is telling Timothy, when I remember you, I remember what was put in you. And I happen to think that Paul is remembering his rememberings and writing them to Timothy, not just because Paul wants to remember them, but because he wants Timothy to remember them. He wants Timothy to remember what is on the inside of him and what has been put on the inside of him, that he is carrying something that is far deeper than this moment that he finds himself in and that is far grander than who he is all by himself. He's saying to him, Timothy, there is something that has been put inside of you. See, Timothy is a young leader in the church. He's been traveling with Paul and he's been placed by Paul and he's been sent by Paul and now he is leading in this place and Paul is continually reminding him and telling him this is where you came from, Timothy. Timothy's story is an interesting one. We see pockets of it throughout the New Testament that Timothy was raised by a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, but that his father was a Greek, which tells us that his mother and his grandmother, at least in Timothy's earliest years, were not most likely deeply devoted Jews because his mother married outside of her faith and Paul later tells us that while Timothy was traveling with him so that their work could be more effective, he had Timothy circumcised later in life, which means that his mother did not follow the common practice of the Jews of the time to have him circumcised when he was an infant. 
poor child who wants to be circumcised in your latter years. But nevertheless, Paul's co- uh, Timothy's commitment to ensuring that he could walk out his purpose as being a leader in the church was so devote that he submitted himself to stripping away from himself anything that had the tendency to prevent him from ministering to a group and a body of people. Timothy had a sincere Faith And what we come to think and know and believe is that somewhere along the lines, his mother and his grandmother, who had a kind of faith, encountered Jesus and became Jews who saw the fulfillment of the long-awaited Messiah. And that kind of faith turned into a sincere faith in their lives. It turned into a deeply devoted, deeply committed faith, a faith that ran in them so passionately that they began to teach Timothy the scriptures, that they began to instill and impart into Timothy a faith that would run all the way through all of who he was that would cause him to stand out from the crowd when Paul came to speak to the church in Listeria. He said with a faith that had so overtaken who he was that Paul said, I want to bring you with me on my missionary journey. Somewhere along the lines, their kind of faith turned into a sincere faith. I don't know who you are, but if you have a kind of faith today, I believe it's a day for you to step into, to move into a sincere faith that runs all the way through who you are. And Paul is reminding Timothy, this is who you are. This is where you have come from. That everything that's on the inside of you didn't start with you, Timothy, but there are things that you are carrying and there are things that have been put on the inside of you. There are things that have been deposited into your life. I want you to know today that there are things that you are carrying and there are things that have been deposited on the inside of your life. There are things that have been spoken over you and prayed over you you and spaces you have been in and atmospheres you have been in that have impressed something and deposited something on the inside of your spirit, on the inside of your soul. And when you think about them, do you remember all of the places that you have come to? Do you remember all of the things that have been brought you, that you have been brought through? Do you remember the lineage of your faith? Because Paul is telling Timothy, you come from a lineage of faith. It was first a your grandmother and she gave it to your mother and your mother deposited it in you Timothy do you see the lineage that you come from from the faith that has been passed down from generation to generation and I believe Paul's not just reminding him of the lineage that came through his bloodline but he's also reminding him of the spiritual lineage that became his when he stepped into the family of God because earlier in the chapter Paul refers to him as 
Timothy, my child in the faith. And Paul reminds Timothy that I too, Paul, come from a lineage of faith. And when you step into the family of God, you not only have whatever has been given to you from your biological family, you also have what's been given to you from your spiritual family. He's saying you have stepped into something, Timothy, and you stand at the crux of everything that has converged to bring you to this moment. Are you aware of the spiritual crosshairs that you are standing in? That there are generations that have prayed for you and there are generations who have passed things down to you. That there are those who have come before you who interceded for this day. That there are those who have waited and who have prayed and who have believed for an open heavens like we stand in right now that have come through your bloodline. And are you aware of the spiritual crosshairs that you stand in? That we stand in a house that there is a lineage of faith, a lineage of standing and believing, a lineage of healing, a lineage of prophetic words, a lineage of breaking new grounds, a lineage of innovation, that all of that is part of your inheritance. Do you know the moment that you stand in? This is the moment for remembering for so many of us to stop sitting and waiting and seeing ourselves as only this small right here, right now, insignificant singular moment. No, there is a great cloud of witnesses that stands in heaven, roaring on your behalf, interceding on your behalf, cheering you on, saying this is your moment. This is your leg of the race to run. This is your moment to stir something up. This is your moment to make mark. This is your moment to make an impact. This is your moment to blaze a fresh trail. This is your moment to declare it to your city. This is your moment to stand up and do something. This is your moment to take hold of all of that and say, have I been reminded of everything that I carry and of everything that's on the inside? I think it's a day for some of us to be reminded of where we've come from and what's been put in us and what's been deposited on the inside of us and just how much you carry. Do you know how much you carry? And if you know how much you carry, the next question has to become, are you transferring it to someone else? Are you taking what's been put on the inside of you? And are you putting it in someone else? Have you ever um, over, this hasn't happened to me, but have you ever overdrafted your account, but not cut because the money was just in the wrong account? Like you had the money, but it wasn't in the right spot. I know no one's get, everyone's like, oh my gosh. No, that's fine. I'll be up here by myself. It's fine. You know, like you have like maybe like a savings account and a checking account, right? And you had the money but the dates got mixed up and whatever, and so, and it's so frustrating because you just wanna be like, no, 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 but I have it. I think that God often sits in heaven going, no, 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 I have it, I sent it, I put it in that one, but they forgot to transfer it to that one. I put it in that one and I told them, I told them, make sure you deposit it in that person as well. Make sure you're transferring what's on the inside of you before the moment comes 
It is imperative of our faith that we are continually depositing what's on the inside of us into a next person, into a next generation. And a next generation doesn't just mean someone who's younger than you. That is vital and it means that as well, but it means the new person who's come into the faith who's older than you. It means the person who came from a different line and they just don't know about certain things that you've had experience what are you transferring into someone else? We have to continually be transferring. We have to continually be saying, sometimes I can vacate a seat so someone else can step into that place. Last weekend, you guys heard from Christian Vaculic, who you, leads our youth in our online ministry. And while he was here preaching in this place, one of our youth preached to the youth in our youth service. Because every time you vacate a seat, you have to transfer something into somebody else and allow them to stretch their gift, allow them to trial something out. This is a house with a multi-generational blessing on it. This is a house with a multi-generational gifting on it. This is a house that needs to continually be looking and saying, who is up next? Who can I transfer what I have to? Who can I give what's on the inside of me to? Who can I give this thing to? Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's encouraging him and reminding him of where he came from and all that's on the inside of him because Timothy is in a position where he's leading and Paul wants him to know you have something on the inside of you that you can dip into and pour out onto someone else. There is something that has been placed in you that you have to pull from and make sure that someone else can eat from that table. There is something that is on the inside of you. There is something that is on the inside of you to teach someone else to pray the scripture the way you were taught to pray the scripture. There is something on the inside of you to teach people what it means to live in kingdom, outrageous, abundant generosity, and the way you were taught to live in outrageous, abundant generosity. There is something on the inside of you that taught, that was taught how to worship and how to praise in the midst of your good times and in the midst of your bad times that you need to bring someone else alongside you and say, this is how we worship. This is how we magnify. This is how, come on and lift up the name of God with me. There is something on the inside of you. There is something on the inside of you that knows how to make a marriage work for 30 plus years and that marriage didn't work just by happy date nights and that marriage didn't work just because you showed up sometimes and that marriage didn't work just because of the family pictures that you send out. There is something gritty and staying and determined about what made your marriage stick and we need you to tell your story. We need you to deposit that into someone else and say this is how you keep on going. This is how you stay the course. There is something on the inside of you are you transferring it to someone else because Timothy Paul writes to Timothy to encourage him in the work that he has Paul writes to Timothy to say there is more yet to be done Paul is writing to Timothy at this stage 
likely thinking and pondering on the fact that Timothy has many years ahead of him that Paul won't be there for. And he says, Timothy, I want you to remember that you have a sincere faith that was deposited on the inside of you. And when you think about all that has been deposited on the inside of you, I want you to consider who it is that you're transferring that faith towards. If someone joins me on the keys, I have two prayers that I want us to pray today. I think there's a, one group of people, and you might fall in both groups, that's fine, but I think there's one group of people in particular that today is a day that you need to be reminded of everything that you have on the inside of you that you need to be reminded just how deep the wells that have been deposited on the inside of you are. The enemy wants you to think that you have a small faith, and the enemy wants you to think that you don't really have much to give. But the next phrase that Paul goes into is the, fa- is the part where he says, fan the flame, fan that flame which tells me all it takes is a spark of something that has been placed on the inside of you and I want to pray over people today who are saying I need my fan to be flamed I want to remember what it is that God has placed on the inside of me. I want to remember everything. I want to feel that stirring again. I want to feel that burning again. I want to feel the passion again. I want to know the depths of his goodness and his grace and his mercy again. God, remind me of everything that I've come from. If you know that that's you, I just love you to stand right in this room so we can pray together, standing up to say, I want my fan to be flamed again. I want to be burning for passion again. I want to stir my heart in something after him again. God, stir in us something new. God, remind us. I thank you that you are bringing to these people's remembrance, God, the faith that you have deposited on the inside of them. I thank you that there is something fresh for them in this season. And I just declare over their life right now, a fresh wind of God that is coming. I thank you that every spark is turning into a flame, Father God. And every flame is turning in, God, to a roaring fire before you, God. I thank you that they would see the depths of your glory. I thank you that they would see the incredible impact of the lineage of faith that they walk in. God, I speak it over them right now. I speak it over them. Come on, church. Pray right now for a fresh wind of fire, for a fresh depth of what God has placed on the inside of you, for a fresh remembering of who you are, for a fresh remembering of what he's spoken over your life. I declare that prophetic words are coming back to you. I thank you that things that you have forgotten are coming to your remembrance right now. I declare dreams over your life. I declare visions over your life. I declare fresh passion over your life. I thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you, God. The second group of people I want to pray for is people who you say, I know that I have something that I need to transfer, but I don't know how to transfer it. I don't know who to transfer it to. I don't know what to do with this thing. I'm going to pray over you today 
that God is gonna give you people to come into your life, that God is gonna give you strategy and open doors. If that's you and you say, I know that I'm carrying something, but I know that I haven't been transferring it, you can just stand to your feet anywhere in this room right now. There is so much depth, there is so much wealth of spiritual heritage all across this room. Amen, amen, amen. God, we thank you for your pillars of the faith. God, we thank you for those who have been steadfast. I thank you for those who know they are carrying something, God, for your faithfulness to them, for your faithfulness in their life, Jesus. God, I thank you. And so I speak over their life right now that you are bringing people to them, that you are highlighting people to them, God, that you would help create those divine interactions, those divine connections, God, that says, this is someone I can pour into. This is someone I can transfer what's been in me into, Father God. I thank you that you are giving them pictures. I thank you that faces are coming before them right now. God, I speak over their life that you're showing them strategies, that you're showing them plans, God. I see people writing out, God. God, I thank you that you're teaching people. Mm, I hear right now that God is teaching. Some of you learned what you learned by watching. You learned what you learned by going alongside and so you feel like you don't know how to teach because you feel like no one ever sat and taught you. You just got caught in the midst of it. And I just see that God is gonna start showing you in your journal time, in your private time. He's gonna help you start writing out the things that you were taught so you can make it transferable. So you can see how to replicate the things that you were taught about prayer and the things you were taught about worship and the things you were taught about his faithfulness just because you used to hear your grandmother pray every morning. But he's gonna show you how to teach it to others. God, I thank you for a spirit of discipleship. I thank you for a church that's hungry for who's next. I thank you, God, that we are quick to transfer. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.